This is the Six Sports Talk with Brad Black and Jane Jones. This episode, we look at Van Fleet and the historic night he had for the Toronto Raptors against the Orlando Magic just the other night. We're also going to be talking to the Toronto Maple Leafs and how they have pretty much been on autopilot since the beginning of the season. Also, the Toronto Argonauts have been busy in signing a lot of players and getting ready for the 2021 season. We're also going to talk about the NWHL and the recent cancelization for the league and uh, what kind of lies ahead for them in the future. But first, we're going to get things kicked off with the Toronto Raptors and Van Fleet going off the other night. This is the Six Sports Talk. Raptors ball. All right, we're going to talk about the Six Sports Talk Raptors. And I think, Jaden, we got to start off with the game that Freddie Van Fleet had against the Orlando Magic the other night, dropping 54 points to become the all-time highest scorer in a Toronto Raptors game on the road, nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. He was he was fire. That's all I can really say. He was unbelievable the whole game. He started off hot, which was good to see because the previous game against the Bucks, he didn't really do much. So him coming out, stroking it from deep, you know, he's he was really controlling the game and, and setting the pace on his own terms. That was really great to see. And, and him dropping 54, I mean... Absolutely crazy. That's all I can say. Like, I was speechless when I heard how, how many points he had in the fourth. I was watching the game, and I kind of had the first quarter on in the background. And then I saw a stat that said uh, Van Fleet dropped 17. Now, at first, I thought it was just, like, the Raptors, like, dropped 17 points or something. And then, like, you had to do a double take because you're like, wait, that's just, like, Fred's stats. Like, that's not the entire team. That is Fred's stats. And, like... <laughs> He just looks solid. Like, this entire season, he has, like, he's had his moments where he's looked a little bit rough, uh, obviously transitioning into a more permanent starter role and a more prominent role with the team that I think in prior years we haven't really seen from him before. But every time that Nick Nurse gives him something to do, he just nails it. And he just seems to be getting better and better and better. And you know what? For a guy that's that was undrafted a couple of years ago. He's he's doing pretty good for himself. It was, it was funny because when, when you said, like, you, you kind of had to do a double take, that was my exact reaction. I watched the first half. Then at halftime, I ended up falling asleep, actually. It was, it was a super long day for me. Ended up crashing. And I, I wake up at the beginning of the of the fourth somehow and went into the kitchen, uh, got made, made myself some food. And, and while, uh, while I make my food, I have the game on in the background. And all I hear is, and Fred with 50 points, I'm like, excuse me? <laughs> did he just say, <laughs> my, my first reaction was, wait, what the hell? Like, did he just say what I thought he said? So I, like, immediately went back to the TV and, and saw what a tear he was on. And I was just like, that is unbelievable. Because I, I thought, I did the same thing as you. I had to do the double take. I didn't think that he was actually dropping 50 points. So, I mean... Absolutely unreal game for him. He, he deserves it. Undrafted up out of Wichita State. Worked his way up through the G League and onto the Toronto Raptors starting unit. And he's uh, he hasn't looked back since. Now, we know Van Fleet has been playing pretty solid this year. So much so that he's being considered an all-star for the season. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. But from the beginning of the year until now... Uh, the Raptors have improved amazingly. They seem a lot more cohesive. They seem like they understand each other a little bit better. 
I know at the beginning of the year, there's a, a huge feeling out process. And I know even Nick Nurse said, like, listen, he's like to the fans, he's like, look, this team is new. We had to fill two spots, two huge holes at center very quickly and try to get these guys into the system as quickly as we can. And it's going to take some time. There's going to be some growing pains. But now it feels like they've really been able to figure it out. They've really been able to understand where each player is, what their role has to be. And right now the Raptors look like they could actually have a deep playoff run. I know at the beginning of the season, I was saying this is a proving ground year for a lot of the Raptors that have been there for a while, but they, they're they just doing they're doing well. Like It seems like they, they figured out what was missing, and uh, it's just been up and up for the last two weeks. Yeah, and it's the guys coming off the bench. It's the DeAndre Bembrys, it's the, the Stanley Johnsons, the Utah Watanabe these guys are putting in some serious work on the defensive end to make sure that they have great looks on the offensive end. They're doing exactly what Nick Nurse wants them to. They're putting in solid minutes when they do come in. Hard work, dedication, jumping on the floor, getting rebounds. They're doing everything that you want a championship team to do. Even though they're not the big name ticket that everyone everyone wants to see um, on, an, on a regular NBA team, these guys have, have really shown that there's something special coming off the bench for the Toronto Raptors, and they're serious about winning this year. I think the thing I even like, too, is that when about a week ago, we saw them go up against the Indiana Pacers, the Milwaukee Bucks, and they didn't look like... It looked like they belonged at the top of the Eastern Conference. They didn't look shook. They didn't look... like They just looked like they belonged, especially guys like Stanley Johnson who came out of nowhere at the beginning of the year. We knew he was on the team. We thought he was just kind of a depth guy that they had signed uh, just to use when they needed him. But he's been absolutely amazing. Boucher's been fairly solid. Uh, he started to look a little bit shaky. But even Powell, Van Fleet, they've been doing the roles amazingly. And then you see a guy like uh, like you mentioned too, Wontanabe, who steps in. He's a fairly young player, but he's there to compete. He's fit into the Raptors culture so perfectly and it's just making this team look so good. Like, this is a playoff team. Where before, like I said, they were always a playoff team, but it looked more like a proving ground for, for a lot of the guys there. So I'm, I'm excited to see where this goes, if they can keep up this momentum. The only thing that I see there being any issue with is Pascal Siakam. And for me, it goes back to that mental game. I even tweeted it during the Orlando Magic game, whereas, like, he needs to step back because he's making those small mistakes where it's like he's taking too much on he doesn't know when to make the play when not to make the play and I think even from watching Fred the other night if it's not going for you in the offensive end I get that's why you're there get back do the small things focus defensively whatever you're doing right keep doing that don't don't go off and try to do other things that you're not supposed to do because it's just it's created sloppy play for him and it's been frustrating because you know it's a mental thing for Siakam. Yep, uh, like like we've said in the past, like he just has to keep attacking the rim, getting into the paint, getting paint touches, and and really doing his work down there. Don't worry about the three pointers; you have other guys for that. But we saw, and I believe it was the Milwaukee game or the Indiana game, was that he got, I believe it was like twenty three, twenty four of his points were were in the paint. So, I mean, like, if you, the majority of your offense is coming from within the paint, don't 
don't worry about it. Yeah, you, if you're open, shoot the three, obviously. But, I mean, your bread and butter is getting down there, doing the work down there, having good footwork down low, drawing the double team, and, and really spacing the floor so your shooters can get open. Absolutely. Uh, so we're going to move ahead now into the All-Star voting. Um, so this started uh, earlier this week. Basically, for my for my uh, my votes for the Toronto Raptors, I have uh, Lowry and Van Fleet are no doubt for me. I feel like those two belong on the Eastern Conference All-Stars or whatever you want to call them. But someone that may surprise people that I actually threw a vote in for is uh, Chris Boucher. Just for the way he's been playing, how solid he's been, um, I think he deserves to have his name thrown into that conversation as well. Does he stand out compared to other forwards or centers in in the Eastern Conference? Not really, but from a point of view and a Raptors fan, I think Boucher deserves a nod in that conversation, if not most improved player for this year. Yeah, I saw your picks on, I believe it might have been Instagram. Yeah, I, I, I'll be completely honest with you. There was a little bit of bias in my All-Star selections. I'll be completely honest Shocker. about that. Yeah, I know. Um, obviously, uh, I had Jamal Murray picked. Uh, LeBron and Giannis, they were all in there as well. Uh, one guy, if you want to maybe go off a little bit from the Raptors a little bit, who has had an amazing season on the Houston Rockets, believe it or not, is Christian Wood. And uh, just some of the things he's been able to do this year, he's uh, he's looked very solid for them in a team that's been, well, in the headlines for, for the long reason. So I had to give him a nod to, uh, to, to be an all-star. Obviously, probably not going to get it, but he's been really impressive this year for me. Going off that Chris, Christian Wood comment, I would put him in the game, but he'd be coming off the bench for me. So right now, my West starting lineup is Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, Kawhi Leonard, LeBron, and Nikola Jokic. So it's my West. Those guys have been playing unbelievable lights out. Any of them could, could receive an, an NBA MVP vote for the season. So that's what I was kind of basing mine off of, if I would pick them for an MVP, and all of them have been having outstanding seasons making making their teams better and, and just making the right play overall so now move to the east my backcourt is fred van vliet and bradley beal for me it was between fred van vliet and kyrie irving uh in that spot but i did give the uh give a little bit of an edge to, to van vliet he's been playing out of his mind this year uh my front court joel Embiid, kevin durant and Giannis. the length their ability to score at will is unmatched and i believe that with my picks that would be the best all-star game for this year i completely agree with you like i said my my picks they're all based on like fandom and a little bit more not so serious because i had jamal murray in there he's had a great season but i don't think he's he belongs like if you compare obviously jamal murray to dame lillard lillard gets an odd every like 10 out of 10 times but uh should be interesting i know this year they're doing it different too there's no actual all-star game they're just going to kind of give you a not a certificate but just to say that you were a 2021 all-star participation ribbon if you will i don't even think there should be an all-star game this year i don't think there is they're just they're just going to name them to a team and then there's just not going to be a game so it's a little no no i'm pretty sure there's going to be a game i'm pretty sure there's gonna, there's supposed to be a game and uh, the all-star like activities like the dunk contest the three-point contest like I think they're still trying to trying to figure that out where they they're able to do it which to me is is completely 
useless and, and in my opinion, stupid. So I feel but, like I feel like the All Star Game. You need fans there. So I guess maybe if you were to go to a state where they allow fans in arenas, you might be able to get away with it. But for this year, I would just kind of like you know what you're an All Star for this year. And there's no game, and you know what it's just we're we're just gonna wait until we can have people back in the stands and make it more because fans really do make an all-star game, especially with the NBA. Yeah, exactly. And as much as I love watching it on TV every year, it wouldn't be the same when there's only half fans there or or no fans at all. So I I agree. Cancel it this year. Name the all-star, sure, but overall just, just cancel the festival, the weekend, everything. It's just not the right time for it. Bring it back next season. A look ahead into the Raptors' schedule for the upcoming week. They take on the Brooklyn Nets Friday at 7.30. Saturday against the Atlanta Hawks, which should be a really good game. I think Atlanta's uh, mainly healthy again. They have a lot of players back. Uh, They play Memphis on Monday, and then uh, next Wednesday, take on the Washington Wizards. Currently, your Toronto Raptors sit 9-12 and and sitting 9th in the East. We got some six sports talk hockey coming up in uh, just a second. All right, so we're going to get things kicked off with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and arguably, I think the Leafs right now are considered to be the best team in the NHL. Obviously, some controversy with the NHL not putting them number one in their power rankings. I don't even know if they're in the top five or ten, but they've looked strong. Like, I think they're on a five-game winning streak right now. Uh, They've had a couple days off. They're playing Vancouver tomorrow night, at least at the time of this recording. I gotta be honest, I love this team, but I'm trying to avoid the fantasy of what they could be, and I I really need to wait until we get to the playoffs to see what this team really is, because that is where the sorrows come. Yeah, well, as a Leafs fan, since uh, pretty much I've been born, or or at least my my early youth days, it's... um... It's been a lot of years of disappointment, I'm not going to lie, but this Leafs team looks good, and and tomorrow night, uh, like you said, at the time of this recording, they're going up against a really tough Canucks team uh, that have come off a couple wins, so it's going to be a really good game. I'm I'm excited to see how the Leafs fare out against the the much younger squad, and Canucks have just shown that they're such a fast, well-paced, very well-put-together team that, that can really put the puck in the back of the net if you give them the opportunity to. I think the biggest thing that has been for the Leafs this year has to be Wayne Simmons. He really has been an unsung hero. Uh, we've, of course, seen guys like Matthews, Marner, Tavares has had a bounce back season. But Wayne Simmons has just so seamlessly just gone into the lineup. He looks perfect for this team. He should have been here, honestly, in my opinion, probably a year or two ago. He would have made a huge difference. But even in the locker room, guys are like, this dude is like, he just belongs in a Leafs uniform. Yeah, hometown boy, it's it's kind of what every, every kid dreams of doing when you're born uh, in the Toronto GTA in Ontario area. You want to put that Maple Leafs logo on as a kid. You want to represent the Leafs. That's your, that's your team. Those are your guys. So he fits right in, brings that toughness, that that really versatileness of being able to score, but but also drop the mitts if he has to. He's been he's been a welcome sight here for the for the Toronto Maple Leafs. I I honestly, when uh, we were, we were going to talk about the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, I was trying to figure out like things to talk about with the team, but they have been so solid 
the last couple, like there's nowhere to really nitpick. Everybody's doing their roles. Everyone's doing their job. They're pretty much an autopilot right now. Do you, is there, I don't know. Do you have anything you want to say about the Leafs that you've seen the last couple of games that maybe catch your eye that you want to shout out or just something that you see that concerns you right now? Not really. Unfortunately, I believe it was on Saturday night they played the Oilers, took the tough loss in, in overtime. But, I mean, you're facing the Oilers, right? You're facing Leon Dreisov. You're facing Connor McDavid, who somehow seems to have your number every single time he plays you, putting on a highlight reel and, uh, and, and sports center top 10 kind of, uh, kind of plays. So Edmonton, I had them top, top two, maybe top three in the North Division. So they put on a show the other night and... and really outworked the Leafs and, and was just a better team overall that night. But for the Leafs, I, I can't really say much. They're they're playing well overall. They're playing they're playing like they should, right? All their all their big guys are playing well. John Tavares had two apples the other night. Zach Hyman had a goal. Austin Matthews had a goal. So overall very fun fun team to watch and I'm excited to watch them against the Canucks tomorrow night. Well hopefully you like the Vancouver Canucks and what should be a very interesting matchup. Uh, next three home games are against Vancouver Canucks, and then next Wednesday they play the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, Toronto, the Toronto Maple Leafs are just doing the Leafs right now, and that's simple as that. There's not really too much to talk about. However, on the flip side, with the National Women's Hockey League, uh, earlier today they announced that they are suspending the season because of COVID-19. It started about five days ago with the Metropolitan Riveters. They had to pull out, I think it was 13 players on their team tested positive for COVID-19. And then the Connecticut Whale announced yesterday that they had pulled out from the tournament citing COVID-19 reasons. A lot of concerns because every team played each other once within a week. And all of a sudden this team comes out and says like, yeah, a lot of our players right now has COVID-19. I feel like this is a huge image, a huge image. A uh, huge error on the side of the NWHL because you're in a bubble. Um, kind of what I read before is that they they tested a couple of, uh, of, well, obviously they tested the teams, but they really didn't make sure that every player was safe. Like they showed up two days before they were supposed to enter the bubble. Then they started playing right away. Um, everything I've heard about the Lake Placid bubble and the entire story has just been negative for the last week and a half. Yeah, I haven't really heard much about the actual bubble itself, but for them to have to suspend the season on the eve of the playoffs is really tough. I mean, for a league that's trying to grow themselves and, and really create a following, it's it's tough to have to suspend the season. It's kind of like, and I know this is kind of foreshadowing, but they're kind of like the CFL in a way. They're, they're really trying to grow their fan base. They're trying to grow their markets. They're trying to reach new target markets, new demographics, and um, and just get some more eyes on them. And, and for them to have to, to call a season due to an ugly, ugly virus that's obviously killing the world right now is is annoying, but, but I get it. I mean, you, you want to keep everyone safe, especially in a bubble. If it's, it's called a bubble for, for a reason, right? You want to keep everyone inside. You want to keep everyone safe. And it's, it was just tough news to hear. Yeah, and especially when you're in a situation like a bubble where everyone's in contact with each other, it can just go rampant. So, obviously, very sad news. The Toronto Six looked amazing. They were sitting at the top of the table. But, I mean, you know what? With COVID-19, you just don't want to take risks. And obviously, you know, 
you have to commend these athletes for wanting to go in the bubble, play, have a season, and obviously try their best to get things going. But you just sometimes have to know when to call it quits, and this just seemed like it was the right time to do so. Uh, coming up in a second, uh, Jane did foreshadow it a bit. We're going to be talking some Argos football and some big news in the world of the CFL. That's coming up in just a second. Argos! Okay, so we are officially into the Canadian Football League free agency. And I have to say, after uh, not having a season last year, it's great to actually have news about free agents being signed and to basically see everyone's all in on a 2021 season. Uh, the Toronto Argos have been making some moves. They uh, made some smaller signings today with uh, two defensive backs in Robertson Daniel and Tristan DeCoud. Uh, they also signed left back Travis Feeney. Overall, some small signings, but one that we, we talked about last podcast, but I don't think it made it to air, uh, was the signing of uh, Martavius Bryant. He spent a couple years in the NFL between the Oakland Raiders and the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. He was suspended uh, indefinitely for uh, for violating some policies. Took two years off. He signed with the Argos uh, earlier this week, and it's just been huge news because uh, he he was a good player. He was not a bench player. He was uh, looked like an all star in some seasons. He just got himself into trouble, and overall, uh, I'm excited to see what this guy can do, and especially once he hits the field uh, this June in an Argos uniform. Yeah, and he's going to be bringing a lot more followers to the, to the sport and to the league of the CFL. So you already know that uh, his boys back home, his former teammates, his former coaches, just people that are connected to him are going to be now looking, watching the CFL, and hopefully it's going to attract more young and, and more stud football players to the league. But I, I love this, this signing of them. It's, he's such a great wide receiver. He's a baller. He's gonna he's gonna be great in in Argos blue, and I'm really excited to watch him. I saw an interview with him uh, a couple days ago, and he just said he's ready to get back out on the field uh, after spending some time away from from the field and watching it on TV. Obviously, you get if you've ever played a sport before, you know that feeling where you just want to get back to it and you want to be able to you know flex those muscles again. Uh, like for example, like I've been uh, I played hockey my entire life growing up. Once you're off the ice for, like, say, even six months, you start to get that, like, feeling where you want to go back and you want to be competitive again. So for a guy that's been out for your, uh, for about three years now, I can understand why he wants to get back. Obviously a little bit of a different league, but nonetheless, uh, very excited to see him and the, his talent on on uh, the field this June. However, one thing that caught me off guard, and even, like, I was talking to you about this as it was happening live, but the whole Matt Nichols and Nick Arbuckle thing between the Red Blacks and the Argos. So basically what happened was uh, Matt Nichols was released from the Toronto Argonauts. I was in shock because we finally have a, a solid QB for the Toronto Argos. So they release him. The Ottawa Red Blacks sign him. And then they turn around and release their starter, Nick Arbuckle. And then the Argos sweep in and sign him. I don't know why they just didn't do a straight-up trade. That would have made more sense to me, but I don't know. What, what do you think of the situation? Because it's just, it's so weird. Yeah, it's been insane. And when you told me that that they got rid of Matt Nickel for Nick Arbuckle, I'm like, what the hell are they doing? They have a seasoned vet in Matt Nichols, 
And at the same time, you already knew that you were bringing in Martavius Bryant. You had already signed him. So I, I figured that it was going to be a great connection between Bryant and Nickel. And then you go get this guy, Nick Arbuckle, who personally I'm not sure who he is and his past experience. I, I, I haven't heard of him, honestly. But, I mean, I, I just don't know what the Argos are doing with that one. I, I'm sure they just saw something in Nick Arbuckle where they really want him to be the starting QB as of right now. So... It, it, it was a head spinner for sure, but hey, we'll see how he does. We got to give him a chance, right? So uh, Nick Arbuckle, he's still fairly young. I think he's only 28 years old. He was with the Stampeders a couple years ago. He had seven starts with them. He had four wins uh, with the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's been decent for them. He's not been putting up big numbers, but he's been decent. However, he still needs some proving. And I know with the Argos too, they still have uh, Bethel Thompson with them. And he played in that, like, terrible season two years ago, if you can believe it, where I think their final record was, like, 3-15. and 15. Um, And it was just, it was horrible to watch. Do you, Beth- remember, do you remember when, sorry, do you remember when you went to a game? I believe they got absolutely spanked. I forget, I think they were playing Hamilton that game. Yeah, we don't need to talk about that. But basically, like, they just, like, the their, their last season, which was, I guess, the 2019 season, it was rough, and when you're watching Bethel Thompson, he's not a young QB by any means. I think he's 30 years old. He's not a first-string QB, at least in the CFL. He had some moments where he shined, but I don't know if the Argonauts were planning to go that direction with they want to give him the start, they want to give him the nod, just because it just it looked awkward uh, all around with him kind of leading the way, at least for offense. I know defensively they had some issues uh, where they just couldn't get the stops they needed and some of the players. So you bring in a guy like Nick Arbuckle who has potential. He he looks like he could be a Hall of Famer for the CFL, no question. But I just, at this moment in time, I just didn't think they needed to bring in a young QB who still needs some time to grow. Obviously, we'll see what happens uh, down the road, but it was just weird because I was really excited to see Matt Nichols in a Toronto Argonauts uniform. Yeah, same here. And and to me, I think that the Matt Nichols jersey would have been a really big seller for them. Not a lot, not a lot of people. I don't think know this Arbuckle guy. But hey, either way, I'm I'm excited to see some Toronto Argonauts football coming our way, and and hopefully the season will go as planned. So uh, with that being said, we're actually going to talk about um, something interesting that. I was reading on Reddit, I heard it in a podcast, and I thought it was interesting, so I wanted to get your take on it. We didn't get a chance to discuss this before, so this is a completely like live take on uh, this reaction and to something that I heard thrown out. But the CFL, with the cancellation of the 2020 season, we're hoping to get a 2021 season. It looks like they're moving forward, and they're they're ready to get it done, and we should have some sort of Canadian football in June, July, depending on the start date, it might be moved around. However, with the business model and how they're saying that like fans account for a majority of their sales, uh, it's going to be iffy to see if there could be a 2021 season because I know that Canada, the government of Canada has already said, like, you know, depending on, like, we're not going to have everyone vaccinated. Uh, it's still going to take some time. We're still looking at probably another 10 months, if you can believe it, with the pandemic and some of the strict restrictions we have. So that brought up the question of does the Canadian Football League move to the United States for the season and then just have all their games played there? But to survive in the future, 
Does the CFL rebrand from the Canadian Football League to the Continental Football League, which existed back in the 60s, and you put teams in smaller American markets like Hartford, Anchorage, Portland, Buffalo, Rochester, Salt Lake City, and do you kind of do what the CFL tried to do back in the 90s, the early 90s, but instead of having it the Canadian Football League, you rebrand to the Continental Football League, but you still keep all the same rules and the same nine Canadian teams. Just to get your thoughts on that, this obviously probably won't happen, but it's uh, it's picked up some steam on how this league can survive. Oh, that's, that's tough because you're talking about a lot of jobs being lost at that point for a league that's cemented their roots in Canada. And it's, it's now become a Canadian sport. And yes, the pandemic really screwed them. But I mean, to just pick up and move a league down south, that, that would be very tough because I know that some football stadiums like the Hamilton Tiger Cats, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, there's a real history there. And I don't think that the fans would like that very, very much because obviously Saskatchewan, probably the best fan base in the CFL. And that's, that's really the only major professional sports team that they have. So I will clarify when I say that uh, the Canadian teams played in the United States just for the 2021 season, just so that way they can actually play. Uh, Obviously with this year and how strict some of the regulations are, um, they may not be able to play in Canada again. So at least that way you could have them able to play and have some fans in the stands, at least for the 2021 season. But then, say, maybe five years down the road, you look at expanding into the state, so you still have all nine Canadian cities competing in the CFL, but you would see an expansion into the United States where they're um, described as a heavy Canadian presence in those cities. So there would be some familiarity with the CFL, but at that point would be rebranded to the Continental Football League. Yeah, I don't like the Continental Football League idea, but if they were to do like a bubble down there maybe in the USA for this season, I would be totally okay with that. I think that'd be the easiest thing to do, but obviously knowing the states, they probably wouldn't do it just because a lot of the states down there they don't care about COVID as much as we do up here. So if they were to do a bubble for this season in the States, I think that would be best case scenario, but I don't think that they should permanently move down there in the next five to, to 10 years. I, I thought it was an interesting idea. I thought that like, you know, I like the CFL. Uh, they're, they're looking at another team in Halifax by the 2022 season, if things go according to plan, and obviously depending on where we're at with COVID at that point, but I, I, I'm not, I gotta be honest with you. I like the CFL. I'm a huge fan of it. I can't really get into the NFL the way I do with the CFL, but the way things are going and hearing the money troubles they have, I think maybe this is the way that you keep the league going and the legacy of the league going. So obviously you won't have the Canadian part to it as much, but you would still have the downs, the uh, the same teams, obviously, but they would just have more competition. And I think maybe a little bit more interesting. Maybe you can keep it as a Canadian Football League 
and uh, depending on what cities you put it in, you could make it work. But you'd have to have a lot more certainty around certain teams than what there was back in the 90s. So I just thought I would throw that out there. I saw that on Reddit. I thought it was an interesting idea, especially in a league that's been struggling to stay afloat for the last couple of seasons. So I just I just want to get your thoughts on that. Yeah, for sure. It, it, it'll be interesting what they do, but I, I don't think that that will be happening. I, I think that they will play the season in Canada and, and do the best they can to uh, to kind of keep everyone safe that way. But who knows? I mean, I could be totally off, off base, but that's just my opinion on it. And I think we're both looking forward to there being a 2021 season for CFL football. You have no idea how much I am like craving to watch the Arcos play. Like, it's actually driving me nuts right now. Uh, all right, we're going to move on. <laughs> We're, we're going to move on to last minute of the podcast coming up uh, next. Last minute to podcast. All right, so here's a new segment that we're trying on the Six Sports Talk called the last minute of the podcast. Basically, super simple. I'm going to throw out a couple quick questions to Jaden. He's going to answer them on the spot with uh, with his first reactions, what he thinks, and uh, we'll go from there. Jaden, sounds good to you? Yep, Perfect. All right, first question. In a lot of articles recently, the Toronto Blue Jays have been getting a lot of comparisons to the 2015 roster that went all the way to the ALDS. Jin, do you think the Blue Jays deserve that comparison, or do you think this is a completely different team for this upcoming season? No, hell no. This is a completely different team. This is a lot younger, a lot more athletic. That team in 2015 with Donaldson and Carnacion, Bautista, a lot older, more veteran team that was more about power. This one's more about speed and and hitting for doubles and and extra base hits. The Toronto FC fired head coach Greg Vanny a couple of months ago and uh, currently just all over the place, not really knowing where they are. Uh, Currently, Josie Altidore has been gaining a lot of interest for a transfer and has even requested that TFC move him to another team. Would you say that this is officially the end of an era in Toronto soccer? Oh, for sure. He's been here for a while, since since pretty much the, the beginning of this surge of TFC. It's, it's going to be really tough if, if he does end up going, but, I mean, I don't think fans should boo him. He's getting out at, at on his own terms, and it seems he's getting out at the right time when, when they fired Vanny. With the National Women's Hockey League officially suspending the season today, where do they go from here in terms of growing the game and keeping a positive light around the league? They they got to figure out a way to keep the girls on the ice and, and just really try and push through this. Uh, I know COVID's been tough on a lot of sports leagues, but for, for a growing one like them, they, they really got to figure out how to how to get everyone vaccinated or, or up the testing in the bubbles. And final question, uh, what is the next team to bring a chip to the six? Is it the Blue Jays, Argos, or Leafs? Blue Jays, Argos, or Leafs. Uh, you know what? I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with the Leafs. I feel like Even though I I've been saying that for a while now, but I mean that's a tough one. That I think that the second I I would probably say the Jays. The Jays have a great shot. I feel like with the Leafs, people now are like, well, if we say it, it's bound to happen eventually, so I'll just throw it out there. Thank you very much for listening to uh, today's show. Jaden, before we get out of here, do you want to plug your socials? Yep, you can follow me on Twitter at Jaden G. Jones and on Instagram at underscore 
Jaden G. Jones. You can also follow me on Twitter and Instagram at the Brett Black, and also go ahead and follow the Six Sports Talk on Twitter at Six Sports Talk. And uh, thank you very much. We'll be back next week with a new episode. Uh, Stay safe, stay healthy, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Take care.